the way things have gone this morning, my message um, that the Lord just dropped into my heart was sort of spot on. And uh, I, I wasn't surprised with uh, the way things have flowed today already, holiness. Um, Pastor Jun, Rach is having the same thing on her heart as well around holiness. And, and uh, what, a, what a, a great sequence and uh, synchronization the Lord's got happening this morning. You know, sometimes when we get caught up in bondages, the thing, the thing that we're disturbed about more than anything is that we're not doing what we should be doing. And God wants us set free. God wants us to run with him. Amen. And uh, we've been talking about that, haven't we, uh, over the last few weeks in this series, you know, how we've been recognizing that we walk with the Lord and uh, he wants us on his pathways. He wants us walking with him. In fact, he wants us running with him and uh, understanding that there are well-trodden pathways uh, with biblical examples for us to follow that each of us particularly should run our own race. I can't run someone else's race. I'd love to run Lily's race. She seems to have a good race going on, but I can't run her race. She's got to run her own race. And I've got to run my own race as well. You know, you've all got your own race to, uh, to run. And, um, but, you know, you can find biblical examples how we continue to walk with the Lord and, uh, and run with him. And uh, last week's message had us looking at the three people uh, that we were at any one time. We're one of three people at any one time in our whole lives. And if you weren't there to uh, hear that message, maybe I encourage you to get a hold of it, have a listen. You can download that message from the website. But uh, we are one of three people in any part of our life as a person we were before Christ. I remember him, but he's becoming hazy, you know. He's becoming hazy. Been so long walking with the Lord now that that old man is kind of hard to relate to, you know, that old person that I was. And of course then there's the person we are after we come to Christ, where we start to walk with him and, and talk with him and uh, start to walk in that newness of life. And of course... The person, third person, the person we should mature into. And, uh, you know, that, that mature believer. The third person is the mature person in Christ. We can't stay on the milk. Amen. We've got to start taking on some meat. And uh, for some that means maybe learning the ways of God's spirit a little bit better. You know, starting to, to, to uh, exercise our senses in spiritual things and uh, not sort of be standing back so much at that, the concept of those things. Understanding that it's, you know, ministries that are, that are, are, are just all word uh, are great, but we need to be a people that are all word and all spirit as well. We can be both and uh, make room for his, for his Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, you know, when God's people get past just working for God uh, and start working with God, this is where we see the Lord starting to build his church and the kingdom of God around us. And we see it and we feel like we're a part of it and it's exciting because we're partnering with him. Amen. And uh, aligning our lives with his and it's an exciting thing. And it doesn't have to feel like another form of bondage. Oh, I don't want to get too serious with God now or else I might lose some of my liberties. Well, you know, I'd say that those are bondages actually that we will need to get free of. Amen. I never, I've never, as a Christian, after I came to Christ and started to walk with him and he set me free from, you know, 
uh, addictions and, and behaviours and patterns, I've never felt like I've, been, I've become a religious person. I felt like I've found new life in Christ. I felt like that this newness of life is what everybody should have. And of course, trying to get it across is sometimes trying to communicate that to other people. Is that, oh, you're just trying to make me religious. No, we're not trying to make people religious. We're trying to make people free. Amen? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's great liberty. And I like um, Psalm 127.1, good favourite of mine. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labour in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. We've got to see that the Lord wants to build his church and extend his kingdom. We must see that our ongoing walk with the Lord requires growing and maturing. We must realise that that's a part of the journey. You know, God doesn't call us out, uh, out, of the, out of the kingdom of darkness and bring us into the kingdom of God's dear son so that we can then just live like we did before. You know, live, live our old ways. There's a, there's a change. There's a, we start to actually move in holiness. And remember, and this is what can confuse people sometimes too, is holiness is not something that we put on so much as what God put on us when he separated us. He separated us to him. We have been sanctified by the Lord Jesus. I read the scripture out before. He's been made unto us what? Sanctification. So it's not so much a separation from, oh, I can't do this, I've got to stop. You know, it's not almost all of those things so much as it is, I've been separated to God. And so we start to walk in that separation. We start to enjoy, you know, that separated to him uh, um, lifestyle that we're called to. And uh, that growing and maturing is uh, a part of the journey. Our best response is to become teachable. Uh, this is so we progress toward greater degrees of Christ-likeness, becoming more and more like Jesus, humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us in due time. And that's, you know, there's so much uh, in being humble. There's so much in taking on humility because in that place the Lord can work in our hearts, bring uh, uh, his uh, interventions in, in, in areas of our life where we need them, you know. But we've, you know, there's, there's that continual surrender, there's that continual humility that makes that um, a part of, um, you know, his ability to move in us and uh, upon us. Becoming more and more like Jesus, you know, that perfect man. You know, we get the idea that it's a journey that we're to continue on when we read verses like uh, 1 Corinthians 14.1. It says there, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. And, and look what is it, but especially that you may prophesy. That's where we actually start to speak his word. What he's saying to us. It's not just what we read in the Bible today. Our, our, our Bible devotion for the day is this. But what's God saying in your heart? You know, for me, it was jailbreak. And I know, I know he was speaking to you because I know how he speaks to me. I wasn't left guessing, you know, that that's what God wanted to do today. And if those ones that came down will receive from that word, you'll walk free today. You'll walk free. You see, we have to get our love walk right. And that's what really 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 is so much about. It starts off verse 1 based on what's in 1 Corinthians 13 which is all about love we have to get our love walk right before we continue on 
to exercise spiritual gifts. That's, uh, that, there's, that, that's just unconditional circumstances. We've got to get our love walk right. Jesus said, by this, all men would know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Not because of the cross on your necklace or your Jesus sticker or, or because you hand out tracks down the main street of town. Okay? Nothing wrong with any of that. But you have to walk in love. Jesus said, men will know that you are my disciples by that. Amen. And it's in that journey and context that we begin to see the gifts of God in operation. Start to, to recognise his, his voice in our lives, speaking to us, guiding us, directing us. And of course the gifts begin to operate and function. And, uh, and of course we, at that point, feel like tools in his hand. All right, Who wants to be a tool in his hand? Three hands, I love it. Four hands. Who wants to be a tool in his hand? I tell you, I, I want to be a tool in his hand, you know. I don't know about any, any of you. I've gotten to the point where I'm saying, Lord, use me. At that point saying, Lord, I want to be used by you. And, and I don't, I, I'm not really concerned how that leaves me feeling either. You know, whether I feel esteemed if he uses me or he doesn't. Uh, I don't feel esteemed if, he, if he, he uses me. I don't really care anymore. I just want to be a tool in his hand. Because then he can flow through me. You know, because the gifts of God, you're not to you, they're through you. Remember that. All of the gifts, the spiritual gifts, they're not to you. They're not for you, not to make your badge look brighter. They're through you, for other people's lives to be touched by the power of God and, and, and by the name of Jesus. And that's something to get excited about. So if you go out of here saying, Lord, I just want to be a tool in your hand, well, then this sermon's been worthwhile. Amen? You know, it's in that uh, journey and in that context that we do start to see uh, that overflow of God's gifts in our life. We need to go, you know, grow in God's grace in the local church where the Lord has planted us. We need to make sure we're planted in the house of the Lord. The Bible talks about when we're planted in the house of the Lord, we'll flourish. And, of course, where he has set fivefold gifts in place, that's an altar that he's built. Fivefold giftings in place. They're to help us to grow and mature, becoming more able to work uh, with God and not just for him. Amen? Helping us on to those pathways to being mature sons and daughters of God that we spoke about last week. You know, the function of the fivefold leadership giftings are clearly defined here in Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. And I just want you to um, uh, just read along with me. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 to 13, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For that's what's what we call the fivefold leadership, all right? What for? We've got to know what they're there for. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Helping, helping believers come to that place where they can say, I'm a tool in his hand. He can use me. I want him to use me. That's a, that fivefold ministry is there for that reason. For the equipping of the saints, and don't go looking for someone who's more holy than you that's calling themselves a saint. That's you, all right? You're a saint. You're a sanctified one. A holy one is really where that word comes from. Till we all come, look what it's for, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. And some of you thought that perfection 
wasn't possible. But the Bible says it is. To the measure, what, what measure is? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Get this last bit, because I'm going to talk about this. I hope you brought your seatbelts today. By the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Sounds pretty sinister, doesn't it? You know, definitely Dick Dastardly sort of stuff, you know? Who remembers Dick Dastardly in the, in the, in the cartoons? Praise the Lord. Get a witness on that. Dick Dastardly. He was a sinister little fellow with his top hat and his little pencil-thin moustache, and he was only good for evil, you know. But it talks about um, that we be not tossed to and fro by those kinds of people, you know, who've come in with other winds of doctrine, all right? We see in this scripture the difference between a false prophet and a genuine five-fold gifting. The five-fold gifting has at its purpose in the local church given by God, uh, uh, you know, the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. The fivefold gifts are given by God for that purpose, to build up the church, to edify the church. And, of course, the fivefold leadership gifts help people to find their place and to find their calling, okay? Not trying to, you know, it's, it's not like trying to corral people into a, into a, a, a box that's not, that doesn't fit them. It's about what's their gifting. Lord, what's, what, you know, where's their strength, Lord, in you? When they're a tool in your hand, what is it? Is the purpose of that tool? Those are questions fivefold ministry are asking about, you know, God's people. Fivefold ministry gifts help people to find their place of calling and service. Notice how the, uh, Paul defines the immature here as well. He likens them to being children. And those who are tossed to and fro by the trickery of men and those that are deceiving themselves and who choose cunning as their method with deceitful plotting. And that's the part where you really want fivefold ministers discerning God's heart, discerning what's going on, discerning, you know, uh, almost like the shepherds uh, that wa are watching out for the wolves. And look what it says. It says, these, you know, those that are weaponized by the kingdom of darkness. And from time to time, here's the, here's the scoop. From time to time, they come in among us. From time to time. You say, where? Who? 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 You know, every, someone says, which ones? You know, the diligent pastoral leadership will discern them and protect the congregation from the damage that they can potentially cause. Okay? Can I get an amen on that? Amen. The diligent pastoral leadership will be looking. And here's, just give you some inside tips. This is how to spot a wolf. All right? This is how to spot a wolf. Number one, lack of accountability. They don't want to be obedient to leadership. If there's any form of leadership, they'll run the other direction. And a good question for them if you ever, you know, just a little bit doubtful, you know, now please don't go running around the church asking this question, all right? <laughs> Finding someone to, you know, pr probe with this question. But here's, here's a good question. Who's your pastor? Who, who is your pastor? 
It's a good question to ask people. Long pause if they haven't got a good answer. Because usually the wolf doesn't have one. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7. Look what it says, 17 it says. Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, recognising their authority over you. Now this is the amplified version. For they are keep, keeping watch over your souls and continually guarding your spiritual welfare as those who will give an account of their stewardship of you. Let them do this with joy and not with grief and groans. For this would be of no benefit to you. The false teacher and the false prophet is identified by their independence of any leadership structure. Because usually they're there to build a following. Get them out of the corral. Get them out of the sheepfold. Get them in a place where they're more vulnerable and no one's protecting them with good, good biblical uh, uh, scripture, good biblical um, uh, uh, doctrine. And as you would expect the wolves to behave, they're not going to get around and be accountable to the local shepherd. Not at all. In case, they're the dis in case they get discovered. So they're aloof. Not even at the lowest level of relating to leadership. You can go back in our sermons on the website there. We've got a, a sermon series called the three, uh, three levels of relating to leadership. Some of you might remember that sermon. Uh, we, we brought it last year. Good sermon to, to uh, just remind yourself about. But first level of relationship to leadership is just honouring. Just recognising they've got a job to do. And just honour them for that job that they're doing. Just honouring. Second level is a heart connection. It's where you go to that level, you say, you see their heart and you say, oh, I can run with what they're running with. I can see that it's God, that they're running with God. I'm going to run with that. Of course, the third level, which is another level, is the honing level. I'm saying, but they're saying, speak into my life. Speak into my life. I want, I want to be honed. I want to be sharpened. I want to be better. I want to be that sharp tool in God's hands. Amen? Number two, wolves are usually critical of the church leadership. All right? And they will head toward people who want to be critical as well. So they'll find them out. Critical, usually critical of church leadership. Another key identifier is they actively seek out the weak. Those that are weak in doctrine, immature, and not develop their spiritual senses to discern good and evil. Haven't done that yet. It's on the way. Something that they can get to. But they're not there yet. Discerning good and evil is something that you do from your spirit. Amen? Those that wouldn't know a check in their spirit if God was giving them one, go to do something and the Lord says, don't do it. And you, oh, and you hold back, step back. As it wouldn't know a check in their spirit if God was giving them one. Look at Titus chapter 3 and verse 9 to 10. Look what it says. It says but avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions and strivings about the law. For they are unprofitable and useless. Look what verse 10 says, reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition. Verse 11, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. Good scripture to finish on. Just avoiding. 
Number three. Number three. Another identifying fact is that wolves come in sheep's clothing. In other words, they don't come growling. You know what I mean? And of course, to the undiscerning, they actually look like sheep. From time to time, we, we have seen those stuck in an unhealthy pattern of loitering around the church congregation, actively seeking out those that are gullible, gullible enough to listen to them and take on board their spiritual insights. Okay, their car park prophecies. Uh, car park prophecies usually take place outside uh, the church, not inside the church. They're certainly never with the accountability of what you know the pastor would think about that word or pastors, as in the case of this church. And they have an air of spiritual maturity about them. They like that spiritual maturity that they like to walk in. And of course, we, I'll be honest with you, church, we've seen this behaviour in this church, believe it or not. And uh, I say, have mercy, Lord. Have mercy on those that get stuck in those ways. Some of them are believers. Some of them actually have a, an actual faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but they've been caught up in a deception, caught up in something that could potentially rob them. And, um, and I believe it's something that they need to watch out for. They don't build anything. And they don't continue to contribute to anything. With a, and of course, with a quiet conversation with the un, unsuspecting is how they'll tend to want to roll forward. And uh, the Lord sees it. And I remember in our early pioneering days over there in country Queensland, um, we would have our services uh, in this, what was called the old library uh, room, which was a part of the civic centre. Still there, I believe, an old, old library room. And it was kind of elevated. It was sort of a funny sort of a position, but you had to walk down to it, but it was still elevated above the car park. And you could, you could stand in the car park and you could look down to see who was arriving. You know, checking to see if people are on time, you know. And, uh, and of course, you know, I was just sort of waiting for the service to start. And I was looking, this, this is one day, and I looked down and there was a new car. I tell you, in those days, I remember they were really early days, we were happy about new cars in, in the car park. And so there we were, and uh, I'm just, um, you know, going through my preparation for the service, and I noticed this car, and I thought, well, I can go and greet this gentleman at the door. And uh, because he was walking up, and he had his suit on, got out of his car and ducked his Bible under his arm, walked up to me and, uh, you know, came up the stairs and uh, said, g'day, I said, g'day, I'm, I'm Pastor Peter, and he says, oh, g'day, I'm Norm. I think his name was Norm, pretty sure it was Norm. I'm Norm, and he said, I'm a prophet around these parts. And, uh, and I was shaking his hands, and I'm going, oh, okay. So, you know, he didn't have a badge on, but I'll tell you what, he was telling me he had a badge on. He was a prophet. And I said, hmm. And, uh, and I said, oh, okay, a prophet. Well, that's, that's good. I'm glad you came to church today. I made some small talk. He says, yeah, God uses me to speak into the lives of ministries. That's how God uses me. And uh, I said, oh. <laughs> As you can imagine, I'm sitting there thinking, well, maybe he's got something to say to me, you know. But, you know, in those moments, I don't, start to sort of, you know, tick over in the mind. I'm looking for the spirit, looking for what the spirit's saying, you know. And, uh, 
And I quickly put a, a boundary in place. I felt that the Lord would put, you know, have me put a boundary in a place for this gentleman. And I just said, look, I, I don't really know you and I'd like to get to know you and uh, you're always welcome here at the church. But I want you to know, if you get a word for this church, for me, I want to hear it first. Make, bring it to me first. I want to know what you're saying, what you believe God's saying, you know, to this church. And um, I'll have you know that the next Sunday he wasn't there. He didn't come, you know. Because what he saw himself doing was coming up here, grabbing the microphone on that day and putting a word out across the whole congregation. Yay, 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 the Lord would say. You know, one of those ones from the old days. And, um, and it's amazing sometimes that if even just in a conversation, you can detect something that's not quite right. And... Um, you know, that can be sometimes regular, uh, just in, you know, communicating with people. You sense it in your spirit that something's not quite right. And, um, you know, the Apostle Paul didn't mince his words either when it came to dealing with these types of situations. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 13 to 15, he says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, trans." forming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, look what it says, for Satan himself trans transforms himself into an angel of light. Verse 15, Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. You know, there's always room for repentance, always uh, room for a change of heart. But this is where the church leadership will listen for the Lord's guidance, operate in the gift of discerning of spirits and apply the authority, the God-given authority, over the works of darkness and protect, you know, our people. And uh, there's, a, there's a grace over this house that we're going to maintain. Amen? There's a grace that God's called us all to be under in this place. And uh, we're going to protect that and make sure that no enemy comes in and tries to reef it out of our uh, out of our hands. Uh, no one comes in here uh, with that, that wrong uh, perspective and, uh, and, and desire to take what God has given. We've been diligent to engage in spiritual warfare. And, uh, you know, we take the time to correctly identify different spirits that are at work. And we go to work resisting those works of darkness. We believe that they're works of darkness, that the enemy is behind those, those uh, uh, initiatives. You know, in our days in our country, country Queensland, again, pastoring, I recall the Lord giving us a mandate very early, you know, seeking the Lord, you know, just praying and saying, Lord, what do you want us to, to get done here in this, in this town? And, and uh, I recall the Lord giving us a mandate to come against the New Age spirit. Anyone heard of the New Age spirit? And uh, its activity in the region. It, it, and, and, and understand, it wasn't targeted at people. It was targeted at the territory, you know, the actual um, uh, uh, atmosphere of that town. And, of course, it was a territorial prayer for that reason. He gave us clear strategies to pray, and we did it without relenting. Every now and then I'll uh, find a book or a notebook laying around the house or in a box somewhere, and, of course, it's one of Rosemary's prayer books. And sure enough, it'll have a list of prayer requests and things that, that we were praying uh, um, uh, on that particular night that we were praying. And, of course, there right at the top is binding new age. And, uh, and God gave it to us as a mandate um, and a clear strategy to pray. And we did it. 
and, until eventually we, we actually got to, we were there long enough to realize the effect of that prayer. It was really quite amazing. And we had a family come to church. Uh, they got saved. First of all, she came and then her husband came and then their, their kids came. And they said to us, after they'd you know, been coming for a few weeks, we said, well, where, you, where were you going before? And they said, we were going to the New Age Church. And that their church group had closed down. And we found out that the New Age Church had been run by a brother and sister. And, and the reasons that they had to close their New Age Church, okay, the reason they had to close it was for the exact reasons that the Lord had called us to pray into. The exact reasons. Very generalised. It wasn't aimed at any particular people. We didn't even know where they were or who they were. We just knew that the Lord wanted us to pray and bind that. And they, they shut down for those exact reasons. They had no employment and they had no accommodation. Those were removed from them, those, those circumstances, so that they had to shut it down. Glory to God. Amen? See, God's very strategic. James chapter 4 Verse 7 to 8, look what it says. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Favorite scripture. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know, resisting the devil is not just an active activity for those called to oversee the church. We, we can all do that. You know, we're all called to that spiritual warfare. It's up to each of us to recognize that we have authority over the works of darkness and that the key is his retreat. All right? The key is his retreat. You know, and, and of course, if we want his retreat, we have to put forward an active resistance. A part of the need to discern what the Lord is saying in spiritual warfare is understanding that at times those caught up in the works of darkness are just needing a prayerful believer to help them out of their captivity a prayerful believer someone who's hearing from the lord last scripture and i like this one particularly second second timothy chapter 2 verse 24 it says and a servant of the lord must not quarrel but be gentle to all able to teach patient verse 25 in humility correcting those who are in opposition if God perhaps will grant them repentance, look what it says, so that they may know the truth. What sets you free? The truth. The truth sets you free. And look what it says in verse 26. And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Wow. We start to see that it's not just, oh, well, I'm a Christian now. I'm never impacted by the, you know, the works of darkness. No, no. It says very clearly that, that they may come to their senses, come to the realisation that some of their activity is actually born of the, of the spirit of darkness and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Pretty serious scripture, isn't it? Where does the Lord build his church toward his destiny and, of course, his work? Out of his callings in the lives of people. He calls us out of darkness you know, and into the kingdom of his dear son. And it is, it is and, and through the local church, it's a place of God's grace, a work, uh, you know, a, 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 and a, a, a work for, for us to, to get involved with. It's a place of God's grace. It's a place of safety. And uh, when we've been planted there, 
by the Lord. And of course, his intention is that we flourish in that place. And sometimes, you know, when the Lord's taking chips off us and, and trying to get down to that, you know, to, to, to that person that he's made us to be, and that chip, chipping away is occurring, it, it's never pleasant. But understand the Lord's got a plan for each and every single one of us, all of our lives. And, uh, you know, the scriptures there in Matthew um, chapter 16 talk about how the, he, it says that he will give us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And those keys are the keys to bind and loose. So, you know, there's a recognition that there's a binding that needs to occur. We bind the enemy but so often. And as we see here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we need to loose the people because the enemy binds people up. And we need to see that God wants to set them free. And our prayer should never to be to behave like, that. you know, the devil's got someone and that, you know, they, they're just stuck there, but actually to loose as well. Set them free in your prayer as well. Don't just bind up the works of the enemy and say, well, they're caught up in the works of the enemy. No, loose. Loose them as well so that they walk off into freedom. You have authority. Amen? We have authority. Amen. And um, God wants us to be a place of his grace, flowing freely. Where his gifts and his, his um, uh, you know, signs, wonders and miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit can flow freely among us. And uh, we should all be pursuing that. Amen. Get ready for those prayer initiatives. Get ready for those things that we, that we you know, recognize as the Lord decreeing and speaking over us. Because the Lord wants us free by his word and by his spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord.